You are as excited to be here this morning as I am. If you are just joining us for the first time, we're kind of in the middle of a four-week series. We're in the third week of a four-week series where we've been looking at our vision statement and what it's going to take to accomplish that. The vision of River Rock Bible Church is to go into our community and allow every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. And so the last few weeks, we've been asking ourselves, what does it take for us to get there? What does it take for us as a church to accomplish that vision? The very first week, we said that if we're going to do that, we must be faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers who never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Last week, we said if we're going to accomplish our vision then we must recognize that we are not spiritual consumers, but we are spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us, but we are the church, and we exist for the world to the glory of God. This morning's topic that we're going to look at is one that's a little bit more difficult um, for many of us, but it's a very important one. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the topic of generosity. And as we talk about generosity... I want us to just start in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and we're just going to look at the last half of this verse. Uh, These are the words of Jesus, and this is kind of what this message is based on. And let's read it together. Jesus said, for he said, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than than to receive. And so if we as a church are going to accomplish our vision of reaching every man, woman, and child, we have to understand what it means to be irrationally generous and to give more than we, than we receive. And one of the things that if you spend any time around River Rock Bible Church, anytime we talk about um, giving, whether that's time, talents, or treasure, one of the things I hope you always hear us say is that we give not because it's something that God wants from you, but because it's something that God wants for you. God wants you to be blessed, and part of that blessing comes when you're able to give, when you're able to bless others. So again, this is something that God wants for you and not from you. And quite honestly, this is something that I have struggled with for a large part of my life. Despite my parents' best efforts to raise me as a generous, kind young man, Uh, When I was a kid, uh, my hoarding habit would put Scrooge McDuck to shame. I'm just telling you right now, like, you guys all remember DuckTales and Disney where he's diving into the vault of gold coins? Like, that was me with my piggy bank and my baseball cards and, and honestly, at times with my food. I have an older brother who has a hollow leg, and so if I wasn't done eating by the time he was done, he'd reach over and start uh, digging into my plate. And so if you've ever eaten a meal with me, you, you look up and my food is gone. And maybe every once in a while you see like I'm in the prison yard, like eating like this, like don't touch my food. And, and so I didn't realize this until I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People when I was in college. If you haven't read it, uh, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. But if you have read it, then you maybe remember where Stephen Covey talks about the scarcity versus the abundance mindset. The scarcity mindset says there's not enough to go around. If someone over here is getting this much, then that means I'm getting less. So I've got to hoard all that I can and keep it over here for myself. 
Whereas the abundance mindset says there's more than enough to go around and you can have what you've got over there because I've got mine over here and I can go out and get more whenever I need it. And so there's a big difference between the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset. And unfortunately for so long, I lived in that scarcity mindset. I like to think of it this way. It's like a pie, all right? This past week, we had some nice, cooler weather. Uh, not quite cool enough for pumpkin pie because I believe there's like a certain temperature where you can actually serve pumpkin pie. Anything above that is, is sin. Uh, but I love pumpkin pie, man. And I was telling my wife, I was like, I cannot wait for that first day when it's cool enough that I come home and there's chili in the crock pot and pumpkin pie in the oven. That's like heaven for me. I love pumpkin pie. And I'm, let me tell you, I can eat an entire pumpkin pie by myself in one sitting. That's Don't test me in that. I dare you. Please, bake me pumpkin pies and bring them to me when it gets cooler. Um, But it would be like if if you said, hey, give me a quarter of that pumpkin pie. And I said, no, 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 no. If you take a quarter, then there's not going to be enough for me. That's the scarcity mindset. The abundance mindset says, okay, you want a quarter? I'm going to give you half. No, I'm going to give you the whole pie, and I'm going to go make a new pie, because there's plenty of pie to go around. We can always make more. We can always get more. We can go to the store. We can do what we have to do, but you take what you need. You take what you want, because there's more than enough. There's an abundance. Now, let's think about that from a faith perspective. From a faith perspective, we must understand that we serve a powerful and abundant God who can provide for every single one of our needs. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We serve an abundant God. And so what we're going to talk about today is a crucial part of accomplishing our vision, and it's being irrationally generous, right? We want to be generous to the point that people look at us and they say, that makes absolutely no sense that you would give that much, that you would do that much, and that that you would participate that much in something that I don't even fully understand. So we want to be irrationally generous. And I want us to start by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now to give you a little bit of background on 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to some of the churches that he helped plant. And there's a, a major famine that's been going on in Jerusalem, in Israel at the time. And uh, there's also persecution of the church that's taking place at this time. And so the church in Jerusalem is really suffering. They're having a really hard time. And Paul writes to these other churches and he says, look, um, it was out of Jerusalem that the apostles were sent, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? So it's from Jerusalem. This is kind of where it all started. We ought to do something to help this struggling church over here. Let's help our brothers and sisters in Christ because they actually sent um, us out to you. And so we want to support them. And so he's writing to the Corinthians and he's telling them, hey, I want to encourage you to be a part of this offering that we're taking up. And he, to, as part of encouraging them, he tells them about the Macedonian church. Now, if you don't know, the Macedonian church was in a part of the world that was extremely poor. They were dirt poor. They were deeply impoverished. And this is what happens. Look at verse 2 of chapter 8. It says, During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into a wealth of what? A wealth of their generosity. A wealth of their generosity. These people had absolutely nothing. They were dirt poor, yet out of their poverty, something welled up inside of them because of God's grace. And it turns into generosity. Going on in verse 3, he says, I testify that on their own, according to their ability, and what? And what? 
and beyond their ability. When is the last time that you gave according to your ability and beyond your ability? I don't know about you, but I don't like the answer to that question for me personally. I don't like the answer to that question. When I sat down this week and I started thinking, Chuck, when's the last time you gave according to your ability and even beyond your ability? That's a tough one to answer. It's very difficult. But I love this. I love that they were dirt poor, and yet they give. I can imagine Paul is making his way through Macedonia, and they're saying, hey, Paul, we want to help. We want to help the church in Macedonia. Look, uh, uh, you guys brought the gospel to us. We want to help bring the gospel to Jerusalem. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, you guys, you don't have anything. We understand you can't give anything right now. Um, So let's let our more wealthy churches handle this. And they say, no, we want to give. We want to give. And we see this in the next verse. We see this in verse 4. It says, they begged us insistently for the what? For the privilege. Say that. For the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. They begged for the opportunity to give. They said, no, 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 you don't get it. We understand that we have nothing, but we're going to do whatever we can to raise whatever we can so that the mission of God can go forward, so that the gospel can be proclaimed in the city of Jerusalem. They begged. Compare that to what we see today, right? What we see today is that, that in order for people to give, most of the time, they've got to get something in return, right? So we see bake sales, We see car washes. Also, the church can keep their lights on, right? Uh, We see the guy on TV who says, if you will just send me a $100 gift, then we will bless you with a prayer shawl, with water from the Dead Sea, and with anointing oil from Jerusalem. If you will just send us a $100 gift, then we will bless you with all these things, right? And so it's, it's gotten to the point where people don't generally give unless they get something in return. And here we see people who are begging for the privilege of participating in the work of God by supporting it financially. How different is that from where we are today? The last few weeks, we've encouraged you to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 when it came to your faith. We, uh, we rated ourselves um, when, we, uh, when we looked at our service last week. We rated ourselves on a scale of 1 to 10. And I just want us to think for a second um, about where you are. And first, let me say this. Let's, let's uh, look at verse 5. But just, just start thinking about where you might be on that scale of 1 to 10. Let's look at verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 8. And it says, they gave themselves not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first or especially to, to what? The Lord. They gave themselves especially to the Lord then to us by God's will. Now, I think that is important to note that they gave themselves first. They gave themselves especially to the Lord. They recognized that they were serving an abundant God who was irrationally generous by sending his perfect son to die on the cross to pay the debt of sin for the entire world. That is irrational generosity. They said, that's the God we serve. We want to reflect that to the people around us. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Gave themselves first to the Lord. And then verse 7, it says this. Now, as you excel in everything, 
Excel also in this grace. Paul says, man, you guys are doing a good job in love. You're doing a good job in faith. You're doing a good job in grace. But I want you to excel in this area also. Excel in the area of giving. Be irrationally generous. So if we are going to accomplish our vision, then we must be, we must, we will lead the way with irrational generosity. Why? Why? Because we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's say that together. This is our big statement for the morning. Let's say this together. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't know if you guys didn't have your coffee this morning. I'm not sure if it was going out there. I'm not a big coffee drinker. But I need you to read that like you truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's read this together as a church because if we're going to accomplish our mission and vision, it's going to take every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. And we have to do this together. So please, with me, let's read this. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that this morning? Think on that scale of one to 10, where are you when it comes to generosity? Where are you? And I know quite honestly, there are some here this morning who uh, uh, you are faithful in your giving. I, I, um, we don't track this as an elder board or anything, but, uh, but just from, from seeing uh, you and talking with you, I know that you are faithful in your giving. You're giving above and beyond. You're giving outside of the church, um, beyond your normal offerings to the church. And uh, we see the generosity as you bless other people with things. And, and so you might be higher on that scale. And quite honestly, there are some of you here this morning who are angry that we are even talking about this. Maybe that's an indication of where you are on the scale of generosity. So on a scale of 1 to 10, really we're going to say it's a scale of 2 to 9 because you're not a 10 unless you died for the sins of the world. Um, so you're not Jesus, uh, uh, so you're not a 10. And we're going to say that 1 is the devil, and we're going to assume that you've done something at least once, like open the door for someone, and we'll count that. So you're a 2. You're not, you're not Jesus, and you're not the devil. Um, if you are the devil, please leave now. Uh, <clears throat> we'd appreciate that. So where are you on this scale? Think about for yourself. And I know this is a tricky question because often we think in terms of just dollar amount. Well, if I'm not giving a big dollar amount, then I must not be very generous. And that's absolutely wrong. So I want us to think um, not in terms of dollar amount because you can make a lot of money and give a big fat check, but it, it's not really generosity, right? It's not really a sacrifice for you. But you can make a little bit of money, and you can write a little tiny check. What most people would say, well, I can't believe that's a, that's a little bitty check. I can't believe you'd even, you know, it's not worth the paper it's written on. And you're thinking, this is all I have. This is everything I've got, and I'm going to give this to the Lord, right? And that is far more generous um, than the guy with a million dollars in the bank that writes a check for a thousand dollars, right? So we want to think not in terms of how much we give, but how much we keep for ourselves, right? So I want you to take just 30 seconds, um, look down at your bulletin. I believe there's a scale there, 1 to 10, and just circle 
where you are, how generous you would rate yourself. No one else is rating you. Um, no elder is going to come tap you on the shoulder and say, no, 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 that's seven. Yours needs to be a three. Um, that's, that's not going to happen, right? So uh, just spend some time. Ask God, honestly, where am I in my generosity? Before we go on, let me say this. I truly believe that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you ought to be irrationally generous. Right? You can be a non-believer. In fact, I know a lot of non-believers who give, uh, they're, they're extremely generous, they're irrationally generous with their money, and they give to a lot of very good causes, and I think that's great. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that you ought to be irrationally generous because... This very fact, we serve an irrationally generous God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. It was irrational, and it was extremely generous when he did it, and we ought to return some of that to him, return that glory to him by being irrationally generous when it comes to our finances. Now, uh, what I'd love for us to do is to look at some practical ways, all right? So maybe you're like I was. Maybe you're in that scarcity mindset. You're down at the two or three range. Um, For me, I was a little bit closer to the one and a half. Um, I was almost the devil, but not quite in my generosity. And so how do we get there? How do we grow? What, what steps can we take in order to grow in that area? And nobody is asking you to go from zero or from two to nine overnight, right? We recognize that this is a process where God has to work in our lives. Um, but how do we get there? The first thing is this. Look at uh, Isaiah 32.8. It says, but generous people plan to do what? They plan to do what is generous, And they stand firm in their generosity. That's the New Living Translation. Generous people plan to do what is generous. Now, let me just, this is a rabbit trail right here, but this is very practical. I just want to encourage you in this. If you are going to plan to do generous, what do you think the first step in that is? Somebody call something out. Budget. There we go. Our finance elder over here, first one, call it out. Budget, right? You've got to start with a budget. How many of you guys ever heard of Dave Ramsey, ever listened to Dave Ramsey? I love Dave Ramsey. He always says this. He says, you have to have a budget so you can tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went, right? So if you want to plan to be generous, then start with the very beginning of the month and sit down and say, okay, here's my income. Here's what I'm expecting my income to be. God, how much... Do you want me to give this month? Okay, I'm going to put that amount here. Okay, I've got all my other expenses here. I've got mortgage, rent, um, utilities, all that stuff's down here, bills. Okay, wow, look, I've got all this money left over that normally I would spend on $10 um, small cup of coffee at Starbucks. But I've got all this money left over. I can, I can do something generous with this. I can, man, even if I were to just give half of this uh, and do something generous and put the other half in savings, that would still be a huge impact, right? And so it starts with a budget. That's a side note. You can take that for free. Um, you don't have to, to do anything with that. But that's just my encouragement, that you start with a budget so that you know where your money's going to go instead of wondering where it went. Plan to be generous. Now, here's the thing. Stingy people always think about how they can get more. 
And you can't really say that about stingy people unless you are one, and I are one, or I was one. Uh, I, I was, man, I'm telling you, I was a hoarder. Like, I would purposely forget my money so that when the ice cream man came around, I could turn to my brother and say, oh, I don't have any money. Can you buy me an ice cream cone? And he would buy it for me because he was generous. I was not, uh, right? And, and that's who I was as a kid. I was stingy. I was cheap. We'll just call it like it is. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, whenever there's something that I really, really, really want, I start studying up about it. I'm like, okay, is this the best one? Like, is this top of the line? Okay, what's it going to take? I get $25 worth of blow money every month that's in our budget that I can spend it on whatever I want. Uh, and, and so, okay, I'm going to have to save this many months to go buy it. I've got these Best Buy rewards, card, you know, rewards points that I can use, and, and I found this coupon. Oh, guess what? I found it cheaper over here. And then finally I move in for the kill, and I make the kill, and I bring it home. And, and I've got it, and it's mine, right? So I plan how I'm going to buy stuff. Is there anybody else, anybody else have that, like, OCD besides me? All right, good. Um, we're going to have a meeting after this um, <laughs> to support one another. Uh, but, but that's the way I am. That's the way I think. And here's the thing. Generous people do the same thing with their giving. They think, what's left in my budget? How, how can I find more room in my budget to be more generous, what about all this stuff over here? You know, I've got all these things in my house that I'm not doing anything with. Is there someone I can bless them with? And they plan to be generous. They plan to do generous things. Uh, when culture says consume, 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 generous people say give, give, give. And they plan to do generous things. And they stand firm in their generosity. Why? Because giving is not what we do. But generous is who we are, right? Let's say that again. Like Maybe you want to write this down. Giving is not what we do, but generous is who we are. It's who we are, and it's who we want to be. Um, some things have shaped me in this area, and one of the things was um, as a kid, I didn't know all this stuff. My parents told me later, probably because it would have freaked me out when I was a kid, but in 1986, my dad lost his job. He's a CPA, lost his job. We had just moved to Katy, Texas, um, bought a nice brand new house and a nice brand new van, and then my dad lost his job. And he was out of work, uh, full-time work, for over a year. And um, I didn't know all this stuff was going on. There were times when we would ask mom, what's for dinner? And she would say, I don't know, because she literally did not know what we were going to eat because there was no food and there was no money to go buy food. But let me tell you, there was never a time that we missed a meal. There was never a time that my parents missed a bill payment for mortgage or for, for lights and electricity, right? Um, God provided. And one of the things that we saw God do in that time, and again, I was completely unaware of this as a kid, but my parents have shared this story with me to encourage me to grow in the area of generosity. Um, uh, so my dad's out of work, and he had, he had served as a minister of music at another church on the other side of Houston, just kind of volunteer, and when my parents first moved to Katy, there's a church there, Kingsland Baptist Church. My parents went there, we visited it, we loved it, and they came home, and my mom and dad just said, you know what, we just don't feel like we're supposed to go there. We're going to go be a part of this small church that's actually meeting in a portable building in a parking lot, and so that's where we went to church, um, but my parents still loved Kingsland Baptist Church, and about a, a year later, after my dad had lost his job, right at the point where the money was about to run out and we would have absolutely nothing, no savings or anything, um, the pastor of 
of Kingsland Baptist Church calls my dad and says, hey, listen, uh, we are wondering if you would be interested in being our part-time minister of music. And my dad said, you know, that that's, would be a huge blessing for my family, but I want to be sure that um, there's not someone in your church that could already do it. And the pastor said, well, here's the thing. Uh, our personnel committee said that they don't want to hire someone from within the church. So if my parents had joined the church that they loved, that they wanted to be in, then this opportunity never would have come around. But God is faithful. And for whatever reason, he kept them from joining that church at that time. And then at the right time, he brought them in. God provided. Uh, fast forward about another year. My dad's still out of work, still out of full-time work. My mom's getting ready to go back to work as a teacher. My mom comes to my dad and says, look, uh, the kids need new clothes. They've all outgrown their clothes, and they need school supplies for the school year. My dad says, well, how much do you need? My mom said, we need about $200 per kid. There's three kids, so we need about $600. All right, well, let's pray about that. Let's see what God does. That week, my dad gets another call from the pastor. The pastor says, hey, this Sunday night during the business meeting, we want you to leave because we're going to be voting on something for you and your family. My dad says, okay, do you mind if I ask what it is? He goes, yeah, we want to give you a raise. My dad says, wow, do you mind if I ask how much? And he said, $200 a month. And so they went and they left the business meeting and they come back into the business meeting and they say, listen, um, we voted, we approved the uh, increase in pay for you. And what we realized is that really this should have happened three months ago. And so we're going to make it retroactive. And so my parents walked out of that church with a check for $600 that night. God provided in a miraculous way. And I'm not telling you this stuff. I'm not saying that if you give that God is going to help you win the lottery or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that God provides. God provides for our basic needs. And there were people who planned to do generosity in that time. There were people who knew our situation. And we would come home. And on those nights when mom said, I don't know what's for dinner, someone would ring the doorbell and there'd be a sack full of groceries. Or someone would call and say, can you guys come over for dinner tonight? We had a friend, um, Dolores Torres, that for about three years, she cut our hair for free. She would invite us over to eat at her house and then cut our entire family's hair for free. I don't know if you know how much a haircut costs, um, but for five people, that's quite a bit. And so we just had people like this that God provided, that they were planning to do generous things. Uh, And all of this... Uh, has led to me having a deeper understanding of what it means to be generosity. It's really shaped who I am. But the one thing that really changed in my life uh, that I hope is meaningful to you is the moment when I understood the power and the privilege of the tithe, right? And, and uh, let me just tell you, the tithe, I believe the tithe is returning the first 10% of what God has blessed you with back to God through the local church, Right? And I know there's some people who say, whoa, 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 the tithe's not in the New Testament. No, 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 Jesus never commanded us to tithe. And you know what? If you're looking for the command, go thou and tithe, it is not there. Right? You're not going to find that in the New Testament. But let me ask you this. Do you honestly believe that all of a sudden, just because Jesus comes and dies on the cross, all of a sudden God is uh, content with you giving less than 10%? I mean, let's just, let's just be logical about it. Is God all of a sudden like, oh you're free. You don't have to give anything. Or, you know what? It makes me happy if you just give 3%, right? Let's be honest. God, God didn't say that. Also, we can look at Matthew 23, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
You tithe on a tenth of the spices from your garden, but you neglect faith, justice, and mercy. You should have done the former without, without neglecting the latter. He says, look, you should have continued to tithe without neglecting these other things over here. These things are big and they're just as important. And I believe in that passage we see that Jesus is affirming the tithe. You can go to the book of Hebrews and see that the tithe is talked about there. We know that Abraham tithed to the Lord before the law was ever given. The tithe precedes the law. So can we stop kidding ourselves and thinking that that God is pleased when, when we think to ourselves, how little do I have to give, right? And it's not even about 10%. Because what we see in the New Testament is sacrificial giving, way above and beyond that. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. The other thing that really hit me hard as I studied the tithe as I got older was Malachi chapter 3, where it talks about bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. And if you don't tithe, then you're robbing God. And I thought to myself when I read that, for the first time as an adult, well, that's nothing. Because I've literally robbed from God before. Um, When I was a kid, I got $100 for Christmas. My parents said, here's your $10 bill. Put it in the offering plate when it comes around. Well, the offering plate comes around, and I put my $10 in, uh, but there was a $20 bill on top. And I was like, nobody's looking. So I have literally stolen from God when I took that $20 out. And I know you're wondering, is lightning going to strike him right now? And I'm wondering the same thing. But I know what it is to literally steal from God. But as I got older and I got my first big boy paycheck as an adult, and Amanda takes it from me and she's like, okay, so 10% is this much. And she's writing the check. And I'm like, nah. And what I came to realize is that 90% with God's blessing is far more than 100% without. And so I do believe in the power and the privilege of the tithe. Uh, And again, I I think it it all goes back to having a budget because I don't think most Americans have an income problem. I think most Americans have a spending problem. And if we were to sit down and honestly see where our money is going, we would see that $5 a day at Starbucks is, is probably a little bit excessive. Like we could spend that money somewhere else and use it for God's glory. All right? Some of you are saying, no, I can't. I need my coffee. Don't, don't mess with my coffee, right? Uh, but I do believe that we can start. We can start by planning to be generous. The second thing we can do is that we can, uh, this is very practical. Uh, there's no biblical principle for this, so this is just a practical step. But I think we can start by rounding up. Round up. I once heard a preacher talk about this. He said, look, um, God said to me one day as I was praying about being generous, he said, round up. And so when I go and I I, uh, leave a tip for someone, if normally I would just kind of drop the change in the bucket, um, I just give them all the change. Maybe it's a a $3.25 drink that I've bought and I've got a $10 bill and instead of just putting the 75 cents in, I just say, here, here, here's the whole $10. The rest is for you. And, And just round up. Um, maybe it's for you, you normally tip 18%. I hope you t- tip at least that much. Uh, and you say, you know what, I'm going to round up to 20. I'm, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to round up to 25, right? And we round up. Um, I've heard of people who donate cars. And instead of just donating a car, they take it and they have it detailed. And then they have it filled with gas. And then they give it to the family that they're donating it to. We round up. So that's a very simple, very practical way to just get started is to round up. 
The, the last thing that I'll say is this, that I believe as we do that, as we begin to plan to do generous things, we can start with rounding up, but I believe what we see in the New Testament is far above and beyond the tithe, which is that we give sacrificially. We give sacrificially. And I can tell you that this church would not exist. We would not be here today if it were not for families giving sacrificially. And it all started when I was living in Dallas and I was just a lowly youth pastor. And God said, hey, I want you to go plant a church. And I was like, oh, it means a significant pay cut for me and my family. I don't know how we're going to do this. But I started praying about it. God laid some names of people at our church on my heart. And I approached them and I said, look, uh, I'm trying to raise $10,000 so that we can go do this church plant thing. Um, would you consider giving $100 a year for, for, or $100 a month for one year? And I cannot tell you the number of people, uh, a couple in particular, that said, oh, well, what do you want me to do with this check for $6,000 that I already wrote? And I was like, well, I'll, I'll take that. Um, but just pray about that. No. And, and before I knew it, within that year's time, uh, and I, I was really trying to keep track of this as best I could, I sought out. Uh, $10,000, and by the end of that year, these families, six of them, seven of them, gave $30,000 to support this mission, to support this. And the same is true for Stephen Galan. He would not be here, many of you don't know this, but his first year with us, um, we paid half his salary, and he raised half his salary. So he would not be here were, were it not for the generosity of people who said, hey, above and beyond our normal tithe that we give to the local church, we are going to support you and we are going to support the mission that is taking place in Georgetown, Texas. Um, eight families were the core, made up the core team of River Rock Bible Church. We worked hard for about nine months to get to the point where we were ready for a service. Before we launched, we said, you know what, we're going to take up a first fruits offering. This is going to be a one-time special gift that we're going to take up together, and, and we're going to ask God to bless it, and we're going to, we're going to use this to help us get started. Uh, eight families, one night, $46,000. And I can tell you that uh, I know families scrimped, and they saved, and they cut back, and they sold things, and they did whatever they could to contribute towards the mission of reaching every man, woman, and child in Georgetown. And it doesn't stop there. Our first two years that we've existed at Christmas time, we've done something called Give a Family Christmas, where we adopt a needy family in our community, and we say, look, we're going to provide presents, we're going to provide food, um, we're going to stock your pantry, and we're going to provide everything that you need for a good Christmas for your family, and we're going to give it to you at, at nothing, no cost to you. Two years in a row, we raised right at $1,800 each year. Not only that, a couple years ago in March, there was a missionary family that was getting ready to go overseas. They were still in need of some support. And so we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to do a give back Sunday where next Sunday you can just write a, a one-time check and whatever you give is going to go towards this foreign missionary. We raised over $5,000 in one Sunday to support the expansion of the mission last week. You'll remember that we stood up here and we told you about a needy family right here in Georgetown. Neighbors of one of the members of our church. We talked about this family's need for transportation and how they were also struggling with their rent. Let me tell you, when this was brought to the elder board, um, this benevolence need, we said, well, well, how much do they need? Well, they really need $2,000. And we were all like, well, we don't even have... $2,000 budgeted for benevolence, so we don't know how this is going to happen. But let's pray, and let's ask God to do something. And so Jared and Devin said, hey, we're going to do a garage sale. We don't have a lot of stuff to sell, but maybe if everybody could bring stuff, 
then we could put on a decent garage sale. And I'm thinking, man, my best garage sale uh, made like 600 bucks. And so I'm still like half in that like doubt, faith, kind of weird limbo <clears throat> where we so often are. And let me tell you, you guys as a church, we as a church contributed all the stuff that we had that we were prepared to give away. Uh, and many of you went and served and um, helped run the garage sale. And in two days, one week, really, we told you last Sunday the garage sale ended yesterday, so one week, but two days of a garage sale, this church raised $2,184 for that family. Can we give God a hand on that? God went above and beyond to meet this family's need, and now they can get caught up on their rent, and now they can afford some of the things that they needed to do. Not things they wanted to do. They're not going to Disney World, right? But their basic needs are taken care of, and it's because we as the church rose up and said, we will be irrationally generous. So thank you, church, for your faithfulness in that. God does amazing things, and and here's the thing. Why do we need to be irrationally generous? Because on that day, when we can go to someone and we can say, we have raised all this money for you in the name of Jesus Christ. And they say, well, I still don't understand. You say it's in the name of Jesus, but why would you give this to me? Because we serve a generous God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and for our sins. He's an irrationally generous God. We want to be an irrationally generous people. And so we want to bless you and your family with this. It's what we see all throughout the book of Acts. Um, what I love about the book of Acts is there's two times where it's said that, uh, that there was no one who had any need because people were bringing stuff and they were selling it and they were making sacrifices so that everyone's basic needs could be met. Uh, in fact, there's only one specific story of someone selling something, uh, and I believe that's because it was happening so often that Luke's like, this is just the norm, like this is the normal thing, why would I ever record this? The only one story that we have about someone selling something and bringing it is Barnabas, and that leads into the story of Ananias and Sapphira. If you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they said, hey, we're going to sell this piece of land because Barnabas had come in and said, hey, I sold this land, I want to give the whole money to the church. And Ananias and Sapphira saw that and said, hey, look, look how you know, awesome Barnabas is, let's do the same thing. Well, they got more than they expected for the land. And so they came and said, here's all the money for the church. And Peter says, is this all the money? Knowing that they had kept some of it back for themselves. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's all the money. Boom. He drops dead. Sapphira comes in, same thing. She lies too. She drops dead. And Luke is looking at this and he's like, now that's different, Right? Right? When people are irrationally generous, that was the norm for the early church. And when people were stingy, that was kind of different. So maybe I ought to record this. Um, and I'm not saying, like, if you give 9% that you're going to drop dead. That's not what we're talking about here because we do live under grace. Um, we do live under a new covenant. But I just want to encourage you that when we look at the New Testament, we see irrationally generous people. We see people who plan to do generous things, people who are giving sacrificially because they're serving an irrationally generous, sacrificial God. If we're going to accomplish our mission and vision, we must be that kind of people. 
And I know some of you here are still wondering, hey, I give 3% to this missionary over here, and we give another 2% over here, and so we give 5% to the church. But let me encourage you that your very first 10% ought to go to the local church. Why? Because the local church has the greatest potential for deep spiritual impact in people's lives. Do you believe that? Because when I look at the book of Acts, what I see is not a book about missionaries, but I see a book about church planting, and I see a book that's about the local church, because I believe the local church is God's plan for the expansion of the gospel. I truly believe that, that it is God's most effective tool for reaching people with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. So uh, you may be here and say, you know what, Um, River Rock's not the church for us. That's fine. You may say, you know what, Chuck, we just don't like you, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. There's a lot of people that don't like me, and I'm, I've, I've had to learn to be okay with that. But let me encourage you in this. If you can't give here, if you can't serve here, then find a church where you can give and where you can serve and give there. Serve there. This is not about River Rock Bible Church. This is not about what we want from you. This is not about what God wants from you. This is what God wants for you. God wants you to be participating in his work. He gives us the privilege of participating in his work. So I don't care if you ever give a dime to River Rock Bible Church. My encouragement is that you find a local church that you love, that you can support, and you give there, and you serve there. This is bigger than us. This is bigger than you. This is bigger than me. This is about God's mission. This is about reaching every man, woman, and child. And so don't get caught up on on the 10%. Let me tell you, I realize that it's a big leap for some of us to go from zero to 10%. But I believe if you will pray according to 2 Corinthians 9 and you will ask God about what you should set aside in your heart, that he will give you a number. And you just keep praying. Maybe that number is you start at 3%. And you keep praying, God, help me. God, show me, what is, what is the number? What is the number? What, what do you want me to give? God, how can I be more generous? And he's going to show you, okay, look how I provided with 3%. Now I want you to trust me with 5 Look how I've provided at 5%. Now I want you to trust me with 7 And before you know it, you're giving 25% away. You're, you're, you've got more than you know what to do with, and you're blessing people in ways that honor God. And they're turning to you, and they're saying, why would you do this? And you say, I'm doing this. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to share with them what it means to trust in Jesus Christ, what it looks like to serve an irrationally generous God. Let's be a church that truly believes that it is more blessed to give than to receive. At this time, we we like to take two, and I just want to encourage you... um, Take these two minutes and pray and ask God. If you're here with your spouse, maybe lean over and pray with them and just ask God, God, how would you grow us in this area? How would you grow us in this area? What is it that you want me to do today? Take two.